Salsa shark. We're gonna need a bigger boat. Throughout history, they have been a part of our American life. Men and women who have made it their mission to serve their fellow man. They've worked hard enough. Isn't it time? They had their own movie. Clerks. This job would be great if it wasn't for the customers. I, I don't bother them and they don't bother me. I could do without the people in the video store. Do you have that one with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? You should hear the barrage of stupid questions I get. What do you mean there's no ice? You mean I gotta drink this coffee hot? You'd feel a hell of a lot better if you just rip into the occasional customer. <laughs> You're a clerk, paid to do a job. You can't just do anything you want while you're working. Hey, you open? No! What kind of convenience store do you run here? Miramax Films presents... You think anybody can see us down here? Why? Do you want to have sex or something? <sighs> can we? Clerks, just because they serve you doesn't mean they like you. You hate people, but I love gatherings. Isn't it ironic? Featuring new music by Soul Asylum, Corrosion of Conformity, Bad Religion, The Jesus Lizard, and music by Alice in Chains. Transmission will start in five seconds from now. Five, four, three... To a very cold Waffle Arm podcast. My name is Simon Meddings. And I'm Mark C. Kelly. And uh, hello, and on this episode, we're doing uh, clerks or clerks. Clerks, clerks or clerks. America we say clerks, and we're saying, So we'll say clerks, as in the shoes. Yeah. Uh, but Kel, so we invented the language. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll say what it is. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so rewrite. You're wrong. Uh, Kel, where have we been? Where have we just been? Where we've we been to the t- memorabilia fair. Yeah, Birmingham. Birmingham. Uh, it's all right, isn't it? It's just a really, as we were saying before, we knew we haven't been for a few years. Yeah. And we said, didn't we, that um, we left because it was the, just really badly organised and just too much Star Wars stuff there. Too much Star Wars. The latter stuff had been solved because it just wasn't all Star Wars. It's actually, actually quite was, a good mix yeah, of stuff, Yeah, there was wasn't a good, good mix of stuff, actually. But the organisation was worse than ever, wasn't yeah. it? I think it's MCMX who do it, the expo stuff. You couldn't organise a piece of bird. Now, I don't know if it's their, their fault or the NEC's. <coughs> yeah, absolutely. I think, it, yeah. If it's not your fault, then apologies. If it's the NEC's fault, then you're a bunch of idiots. We queued up. Now we got we bought tickets pre, didn't we? So we had them printed out, eleven o'clock to get in. Look, we're British at the end of the day. We know how to queue. So we queued up, and uh, and what what did this guy do? He suddenly just blended a load of people oh. just walking the two queues together. So whoever's at the end of the the second queue suddenly became first in our yeah. queue, and it was it was just. 
a laughable for me. It is. It's like I think it's a gradual decline of the Great British queue, hasn't it? People used to know their place in the queue. Mm. Stand there and wait. Not just. It's just the thing is as well. We had to queue to get into another queue. Yeah. Yeah. Which was odd. Like I said, they must have known how many people are going to turn up. It's a big thing. It's a good job, though, that I went that's that blow because you would automatically be dying, diverted to the coffee and sausage bowl store. Yeah, yeah, I was there. Which I was, was in the... the yeah, yeah. It's craft there. They put that down there, didn't they? Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I just think that, you know, they need to split over more halls. And I think that's the problem. I think so. Because you how more how popular oh, it is. Oh, it's really packed. Well, somewhere you just left there, it was getting really packed, Well, we can, we can make be goodies, didn't we? What did you buy? A pith hat and a book on horror. Excellent stuff. And I bought uh, my 12th Doctor figure and mm. some Doctor Who DVDs. So yeah. all in all, pretty good. That was really Because it, it could still cost us 11 quid to get. Actually, thinking about it now, spent 11 quid to get in, 6 quid to park. So that's what? Twenty-seven pounds. You can put them on top of the DVD. On top of the DVDs now, so which I, I thought I'd make a saving. So, but still, it was good. And uh, although I can't buy that, couldn't find that figure anyway. No, well, no, no, you know, it was worth it. It was it? worth it. Hey, we have an email. Would you off? Like, would you like? It's not off, Rob K. Everyone because I'm about Rob K. It's not <laughs> off, Rob K. No, it is off, Glenn. And Glenn has this to say: Apocalypse Now being watched. Hi, Meds. Well, I finally watched Apocalypse Now, the voodoo version. Probably as a result of you having an episode about it more than any other reason. It's a strange film. I enjoyed it overall, although it was not an easy film to watch. I like the main plot and action, and though Robert DeVille stood out as the best performance, and I can see why Kel has it as his favourite film, but saying that, I probably wouldn't go out of my way to watch it again myself. And I don't feel too hard done by, as I found the DVD in a charity shop for 99p. Bargain? I've now also now listened to your podcast on it, and though I did enjoy it throughout, your views were spot on, and in my opinion, pretty much reflected mine. The comment by Cal, uh, that if one person watches it as a result of the podcast, was very apt. I think, had I listened to the podcast first, I, I probably would have watched the film sooner. Uh, uh, and you always saying, sincere and passionate about your choices. Hopefully future episodes that feature films and shows I've not seen yet result in me discovering some new personal favourites variety is the spice of life and it's always great to discover new delights or at the very least try something different even if it doesn't make my top 10 list very good weirdly we were talking about that weren't we the other day saying that next year we are going into more obscure stuff now yeah. we, are, we are doing that aren't we we've yep. said that not stuff so like I said I could pick stuff that only about 4 people in the world have watched so that's mm. too obscure no. but we are going to the more esoteric yeah. Stuff, aren't we? Like Zardos and all this. Say S and M. No, 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 no. Well, that Caligula. <laughs> oh yes, we are doing Caligula. Remember. Yeah. Um, so we are going that route, mm. aren't we? Of more odd stuff. Yeah, like Zardos. Yeah, but we are still going to do normal stuff. But we are going to do odder films. Zardos, who my wife watched the other week for the first time and thought it was. So, Emma, did you like? Uh... <laughs> She's shaking her head there. <laughs> what, Sean Connery and his fans? Come it's on. It's a very odd film, but it's amazing. With a big moustache. What if he was wearing a pith helmet? I actually talking about Sean Connery. What's that um, Sean Connery in his own words? Yes, amazing program. If he's really good, <laughs> weren't that a good program? Really good. I don't know. Like I said, I've only saw the first. No, I only saw the second half. I've got to mm. watch it on iPlayer because I missed the first twenty-five minutes. It was good. good that, yeah, I thought it was going to be. Oh, it's going to be usual crap stuff. Mm. But it was a brilliant program, and all the people on there talking about him. Like amazing people, weren't oh, yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It was a good bit of stuff. Like, though it, uh, that was all Scottish. I know, it's yeah, and yeah. a bit of his accent is funny, isn't it? His accent, his accent. I love Untouchables. Oh yeah, but he says nothing in Irish but that, apart from boyo yeah. and that. And, and we you know, know that. And does he say Jesus? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Because that's all Irish people say. But it doesn't matter, does it? It's like people said, like they said on there, you watch Sean Connery film because you want Sean Connery. Yeah, and you know what? I was watching uh, the clips of Indiana Jones and Last Crusade and I was thinking, man, how good's that film? It's, it is. It's a cracking film, and it really is. But we're, so I say, on this episode, we're talking about clocks. Oh. Now, what do we normally do? You normally play the theme tune, but you must have a problem in it. I do have a problem. Because you can't because play the chord or whatever. Oh, no. I'm going to read out the... Um, the the soundtrack list okay so if anything comes out because I tried to find Clark's by Love Among Freaks online I couldn't find it which is what the opening titles are so if I read these out and actually the, the, I think you'd be quite impressed by how good the soundtrack is okay so Clark's by Love, uh, Love Among Freaks uh, Kill the Sex Player by Girls Against Boys yeah. Get Me Wrong Alice in Chains yeah that's I don't know uh, Making Me Sick Bash and Pop uh, Chewbacca, Supernova, Panic in Cicero, The Jesus Lizard, uh-huh. good song. Uh, Shooting Star, Golden Smog, Leaders and Followers, Bad Religion, uh, Violent Mood Swings by Stabbing Westwood, Berserker, Love Amongst Freaks, Big Problems, Corrosion of Conformity, yeah. Go On Your Own Way, Seaweed, and the main end titles credit, which I think might be the one play, is Can't Even Tell by Soul Asylum. God, it's it's such a soundtrack of its time, isn't it? Was that too early? Oh my God, the early nineties. That is just it's like the clothes and everything. It's so early. <laughs> so we'll probably play. Does anything stand out there, or do you want me to play Soul Asylum? Can't even tell. Yeah, I'd no, say that. No, I thought you might have gone for Corrosion of Cuff. No, I do like Corrosion, but it's uh, not everyone's cup of tea. No, it's it's so uh, de- everything's really detuned, isn't it? Yeah, really low slum. Probably de-tuned. not the one to start off the podcast. Yeah. Okay, so it's uh, here's Soul Asylum. You know what the problem with music videos is? They never address the interest of the common man. What are you talking about? I was just watching MTV. All I saw was chaotic imagery and metaphoric visuals. No hockey, no comics, nothing. Just chicks and explosions. Hey, are we going to play or what? Dante, this is Dave. Dave Dante. Yeah, yeah as soon as this customer gets out of here. So where are they from? Minnesota, I think. They play in a band or something. Can we beat them? Are you kidding? They're musicians. Musicians can't play hockey.
balls down there? About the biggest pen you ever seen there, bum hole. Why so, Clarks? Um, here's a little bit of the. Uh, start moving my hands over there. Yeah. Uh, the bit of the info before we go into it, and then we'll tell the reason why we've done it. Okay, directed and written by Kevin Smith, produced by Scott Merger, and starred Brian O'Hallahan, Jeff Anderson, Marilyn. Oh, Gigliotti, sorry, Jason, Jason Mews and Leeson Spoonhauer. Um, there's two two cuts of this film. The original cut, which is 104 minutes, and the release cut, which is 92 minutes, had a budget of 27,000. That's crazy, that is. Oh, 230,000 by post. Uh, and it made 3.2 million. It's crazy, isn't it? Which is pretty damn good and still making money now. Um, Cal, why have we, why are we actually going to talk about Clark Sue only briefly on this? Um, again, if there are any kind of um, clips that we add in, it's only because of the fact that we suddenly remember them as we're talking, we're not going to just jump stuff mm. in. Why, why did we decide to do Clark I don't know, you know, I think when we, when we changed the films, the point was that we both picked stuff that we're really passionate in or mm. more, you know, and you were very passionate about this film. Like mm. I said, I'm late, I was a late coming to this film. I didn't see it for years. I know you you used to always bang on about it. Yeah. And then I watched it and then realised I didn't quite like it. I, I, like I say, I, I was, I'm not an amazing fan of it. No. I'm not like you. I do like it, but as we, talk, as we go through it, these things I like and I dislike about it. Um, but mainly that, because we're going to do, like I said, me, I'm doing, when I do my uh, Fear and Loathing, that's yeah. my passion for that film. Yeah. You sort of like it, but don't madly like it. And I thought that'd be the point. And you used to always be going on about this bloody film. You used to be <laughs> obsessed with Kevin Smith. For yeah. about two years, weren't you? Yeah. I was really, yeah, yeah. And I think it's because of the fact of, of uh, being a wannabe filmmaker. I think, it, especially when we were younger, Kevin Smith, to me, is an inspiration over any other film director. Because, and don't get me wrong, obviously I'm, you know, I'm passionate about the likes of you know, Spielberg, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, Hitchcock, Coppola, you know, Scorsese, all the, 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 yeah. the greats. Um, Jackson, I suppose, even though. In fact, actually, I put Peter Jackson in the same in the same route as um, Kevin Smith. Yeah, uh, probably anything. Peter Jackson's obviously been more successful than. Kevin well, actually, Smith. you think but, like it's sort of had, could have had parallel careers. Yeah, yeah they, 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 they went on in different things. Smith has always done kind of what he wants to do, which is what I really admire about him. Jackson still does what he wants to do, but he's more acceptable towards high like, high budget films. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I don't think Kevin Smith feels comfortable. The reason why he dropped out of doing Green Hornet. And he was actually Scott Mosier, who's, who's his long-term producer, turned around and says, I don't think we should do Green Hornet, because he was writing it, but it's, he a, was it's, it, man, it's not our film. And, and all their films, whether they work, whether they don't, they, at least they can stand back and turn around and say, you know, they're our film. Yeah. But the fact that Kevin Smith went to um, film school, dropped out, came back and just thought, well, I know what I want to make. I'm going to do this film. And virtually sold his comic book collection off, right? which is a big thing if you're into comics. And bankrolled some like seven or eight credit cards, maxed them out to make Crap. this film. To me, I mean, I think it's crazy. I'd never do that because I, I'd, I would, I'd, I'd be scared. I'd be scared, and I don't have the balls to do it. But he did. He took. How old was he when he? Uh, uh, mid twenties, something like that. I think twenty-three. I think. Because they're uh, twenty-two, aren't they? Uh, I'll tell you what. Hold on. He was somewhere here. I have his date of birth, obviously for later on. Yeah, because you know, because he says they're both twenty-two, in it, aren't they? So, yeah, he was born in nineteen seventy. Huh? So you know, and this came out in like, so he's twenty-four, so twenty-three. <laughs> yeah, twenty-nine. Stone here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's a big fan. Um, but 
to me, he's he's the ultimate person who's passionate about film because he really yeah, yeah. put everything on the line. And if he, you know, all right, he, he just carried on working at the quick stop and that to pay all his bills off, yeah, yeah. his mom and dad for years. But to me, to tip that, to, to believe in something so much and to get all your friends together and to make a film, which is, I think, really, really good film. There's, there's some things for it where you look and you think, mm, the acting's a bit off, but you know what? Who cares? Then You know, they are proper actors, but I mean, these are people that have been brought in uh, you know, Brian Holland was a, a, an actor, but you know, Jason Mewes was scared stiff doing his film, and, and the dance bit in the film where he's been doing his dancing was filmed on their own. They had to put the camera on it. You know, he looks nervous, and he, he looks, looks really nervous in it until you watch Clark's too, and you, you see how how much Jason Mewes has come on. You know, you realize actually the, the guy's an actual actor, but Kevin Smith, I, I just think he's he is a, a the. I'd say our generation pioneer filmmaker. Yeah, yeah. More than Tarantino, and the reason why I say that is Tarantino's always had money. Yeah, you, you, I, I, you know we are massive Tarantino fans, oh, but there's yeah. that there's a bit of an urban myth about Reservoir Dogs, isn't there? He mm. was just struggling. Oh. He was just no. He'd been to film school. You know, I'm not saying that because well, he had Harvey he, Keitel, right? Yeah, so, he had a, <laughs> it's amazing. And like I said, we've done, we love QT. I mean, we get excited about watching the picture with someone yeah, putting yeah, a yeah. puncher in it. <laughs> but I think he overhyped his own doing it himself, didn't he? He had a lot of help. Mm. And, you know, and he wasn't amazing. He wrote amazing scripts. He was writing amazing scripts. You know, his first script was True Romance. It's pretty Which amazing. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? So I think he was a one step up from Kevin Smith. But yeah, he was in the system as well, wasn't he? Yeah. He was hanging around with these people. Yeah. Uh, Smith, uh, Smith. Well, you know, where's Clark's set? Where is Clark? In New Jersey. New Jersey. Yeah. yeah. Is that a real? Yeah, that's that's where we live. That's the reason. Is that still? If it's still there now, it is still there now. It is yeah. still there. Um, the reason why, I mean, this is a fact that we'll probably yeah later on, but. Um, the reason why the shutters are down, the reason why at the beginning when he puts the key and realise someone's put super glue in the in the clip, is because the chewing gum, yeah, it's because they filmed there on night, so you couldn't have the shutters up because you'd see it was night time. So that's the reason why the shutters are down. Uh-huh. And Kevin Smith was working in the day. Then when his shift ended and the shop closed, they filmed at the night, and then he, he slept for two hours and then went back in. That's why one side of bottom line, but two, you, you look at him doing the, the the behind the scenes photos, he's absolutely screwed. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, that's the kind of thing you can do when you're 22, isn't it? Oh, yeah. You really well, exactly, yeah. You'll do it, yeah. wouldn't you? Well, I think he's got the... And, 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 like, you know, and the reason why we need E. Clarks too, there's still, I think, there is a a really original feel to Clarks too and Clarks. And I watched that on Thursday night. Um, one, because I thought, I'd better watch it again because we're going we're gonna to briefly talk about it. But two, I really wanted to watch it. I think it's because of the fact that I'd, I'd, I'd write the, the script for this. And it got you in it. It got me in the mood for it. But it was one of those things as well where it was like... I really wanted to watch it. I really wanted to watch the film, and I think Clark's too is a, is, a, is an absolute cracker of a yeah, film. Well, yeah, and I'm surprised that one you excuse me, like Jonathan Moss, who, who it should, theoretically should really like. Because we talked this at the time, isn't it? But he's never like I said. We you know people who don't understand in, in that world because they love films. There's no doubt Jonathan Moss is massively passionate about films, but he's very successful. You know, I look. This is you ain't got. This is for people who've got nothing else. Their their yeah. world, as you know, as you said, there's a bit in class as well. Guys, who go through this, so we sort of preempting ourselves. But I will say, it's, the, it's, a free, it's, it's the bit where Randall walks into that video shop and he goes to the phone and he's just mm. on his knees with his hands in the air. Yeah. No, I know that feeling. Yeah, Because yeah. that's all we had when we were younger. Going to the video shop was the highlight of, when we were on the dole. Mm. Right, that was the highlight of our week was getting video because we had nothing else to do. Yeah, it was cheap. Mm. You can get crap films out, couldn't you? you can get bloody 
but it was like you could get five free films for a fiver for three days and you get really obscure horror films and fill your time up and then talk about and then that, and that's what I like well, about uh, this which is where this podcast came from yeah because when when and I think this this episode of Waffle on it, it's going to be a free run in one less phase because we're, we're, we've already gone way off topic of it, well, of the script. But um, I said to you at work the other day, I mean, we work we work in a factory, don't we? Right? Yeah. And so, well, whatever you say, I'm fairly well paid, I suppose, but whatever you say, it's still fairly menial. Oh, and, and it makes and, you feel and, crap. And it makes you feel crap. Now, working in a shop, I've worked in a shop, you worked in a bar. Yeah, yeah. So we've both done public kind of like, you know, a public job where we're working with the general public so we both and I think we, I think anybody who works in that environment that's not saying people who don't don't get the film but I think we get yeah. it more and I think it re- re- relates to us more especially Clarks too as well yeah because they're older in Clarks too as well aren't they yeah I mean there's like I said to you about it, it, it's so as much like me and you where you were saying you know what, why the hell we, why the hell did we go to college for we went to college to to learn, and he was saying all this stuff that they went on. I think it was like IS kind of like things that like, not IS, but IRS, I should say. Yeah, IRS, IRS, yeah. not the bombing people, but <laughs> um, IRS. You know, to learn tax. We went to college and studied. What did we study? We were twenty, didn't we? Fucking economic. Fucking no. Accounts. 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 <laughs> Accounts. Sociology, which to be fair, was fairly passionate about, and um, and something else. Just, Anything, yeah. anything, anything to stave off work and yeah. growing up learning. That was it. And, and all we did, nine times out of ten, I had to get the bus from my house. You'd get on the bus several stops later. If you didn't get on the bus, instead nice. of me going to college, I'd get off at the next stop. <laughs> yeah, come back to I me. knew for well what the scenario was going to be. I'd buy a loaf of buy pot noodles or microchips, yeah. go to yours, and yeah. then we'd sit and watch films all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stupid. 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 I mean, we wasted a year of our life. Well, we weren't away because we, we, we enjoyed some... How comes the fuck down? Was one of those? Oh no! Like I said, you know, it was very enjoyable at the time. But like them, that, that's your whole life. That's all you could think about was watching mm. films and anything else. Because stupid, really. Yeah. You could have gone to college, university, or got a bit no. But there you go. But that's why this film is. I think, like you say, people who can be really successful millionaires can still love this film. Oh yeah, yeah. It's got yeah. nothing to do with that. But yeah. I think if you come from this environment of menial mm. and being young and not, because a lot of that is, you don't know what he doesn't know what. You know, as we were saying, we go, Dante moans, but he doesn't want to do anything about it, and he doesn't know what he wants mm. to do, which is very much like us. Yeah. You moan and moan and moan, but you never did anything about it. No, and we still do. just get a film out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or get a pub. I get a pub and everything will be all right. Yeah, it'll be all right. Yeah, I'll just think about it next week, and that's it. But that's why this film is especially uh, evocative for people in our scenario in the mm. bottom of the food chain of job jobs. Yeah, and it's true, really. It's the truth. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the people in it. Oh, this is done by, of course, View Askew Productions, which is um, Kevin Smith's production company. View Askew is, of course, the universe that everything's set in for this. Uh, Brian O'Halloran. Have you ever told that? I think of... Um, no, before that, quicker. Now, did he do this film straight away or did he done a short? Uh, he'd done one short for his college course. Uh, it's on IMDb. Um, have I got it on here? And is it in here. the same world of... No. No, no, it's not. No, it isn't. No, I might actually have it on here. Hold on a minute. Uh, da, 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 da. No, no. The, the, Clark's was the first, his first proper film, but he had done like a, a small sure. short, but nothing of, of consequence. So, Brian Halloran, who played uh, Dante, he was born um, in Florida, hmm, June ninth, June no, born December twentieth, nineteen sixty nine, in Manhattan, New York. Um, 
Always, I always think Dante looks really weird with that little goatee beard. Yeah, he's an interesting yeah. character, Dante, isn't he? Mm. Is that a metaphor for him? No. There is a uh, thing here. I've written it down because I thought it was really... I'll probably put it in the... Okay, here we go. The structure of the film contains nine scene breaks, significantly the nine rings of hell, as in Dante's Divine Comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was thinking that... So that's where, that's where he gets his name from. But the characters of uh, Dante and Randall... Uh, based on Kevin Smith and his mate. So, Kevin Smith was more like Dante, and his mate was more like Jeff Randall. Yeah. So, Randall, uh, was played by Jeff Anderson. Uh, I think everyone loves Randall. He's weird, don't you think, no? He, he's not really a friend, though, is he? I, I, he's a weird thing, because he's out for himself, really, he isn't he? Is yeah, but it's like one of those things where I think it's that they kind of like, they are friends. It's like, what, what's the film we talk about? The he goes, well, they're friends, what you do about it? Yeah, like, like transparent, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, and I think yeah. that's what that's what I like because the realism of friendship is when you're young as well, especially at that age when you're twenties. Mm. Things start changing because you're young. Then you grow up and you still think you're young, but you're growing up. And then things like girls and get in the way of all friendships. Yeah. So, you know, us lot, especially me, me, you, and all that mates, with a very spiky relationship. Mm. Falling out and rowing and all stuff. That's the reality of friendship. I always think a lot of TV friendships not real because they like each other too much. I think that's why Chandler and, uh, and Joey worked really well because they had they did have that argument and they did that. That's kind the of reality like of friendship. Yeah. We were always falling out of slot when yeah. we were growing up. But a day later, you move on, didn't you? Oh yeah, a lot of women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jeff Anderson, uh, Jeffrey Allen Anderson, April twenty first, nineteen seventy. So they're both forty five at this point in Connecticut, otherwise uh, known as Hefe. Um, Jeff Anderson um, he originally auditioned for the role of uh, Jay uh, as a joke um, but then got signed up to play Randall now he was the one who was most reluctant to have come back to do the role of Randall wasn't that why? because he's got uh, Randall's got such a distinctive voice that people recognise the voice before they see the person so really it was like everyone just knew him as, as Randall really um, so of course obviously that, I mean, he, obviously he came to his senses because he did the animated um, DVD, which I've got. It's, oh, it's thinking of being Randall as well. He has the best script. Yeah, he has he's the, got the best, best dialogue. Oh, yeah. He's got the best oh, dialogue. Yeah. It's dialogues, and it's so, it's so natural. Mm. He, he does it so natural. You think it's him. You know, that, that's all as I can tell. A lot of quick QTs or Quintons. You can see he's wrote. Quintons wrote that. You can tell that's contented. Mm. With Randall, you think, oh, that's him. He must have wrote that. Yeah, yeah He yeah. must have had lived that because they, it's are, so, they are classic lines. It's so amazing. And I think Kevin Smith actually wanted to play that role as well, but he realised there's no way he could do it and be behind the camera as well. You've got you've got to put all your efforts into one. All the people in this film is, of course, the person who I can't say the name, Marilyn Gilotti, as Veronica Luffin. Uh, obviously, uh, Lisa Spoonhair. Now she's in it and she plays Caitlin. Um, Jeff Anderson ended up going out with her during this thing, and they had a bit of a romance. And this was the, on the um, on the internet here. It says uh, she's best known obviously for playing Caitlin Bree in Clerks and the animated season uh, series. She dated her co-star Jeff Anderson from 1995, and they were married for one year, uh-huh. according to the documentary The Snowball Effect. I don't know if you got to see that on that on my no, website. No, no. No. Uh, Anderson proposed to her on set of the film as Spoonhauer's only other film credit is for the Gabe Torres movie Bartender. According to Anderson, Spoonhauer brought her career as an actress to an end after failing an audition for a Nicolas Cage film. <laughs> yeah, but with another thing you think about it, none of them have gone on to do amazing stuff, have they? No, well, um, um, Brian O'Halloran uh, has always maintained he's a stage actor. So yeah. he went back to doing stage work. Jeff Anderson, I think, he's, he's done a, a couple of his own films. Um, I suppose really the only ones that 
really did it, apart from obviously Scott Mosier who's the producer, is Kevin Smith and yeah. Jason Mewes. So yeah, Jason, yeah. Jason Mewes, uh, Jason Edward Mewes, born... Now, you're uh, a big fan of him, aren't you? I am, actually. Yeah, I, yeah. I do he's, got, he's an life. interesting guy, isn't he? Uh, yeah. That's he's had a hard, horrible life, exactly. isn't he? I mean, I, I, I really recommend you go and listen to um, the... No, because I know you were saying... You know, because I, when I first saw that film, I didn't know he was a hearing addict. Yeah. And you told me, and I was watching it the other night, and I thought, you, you can see it. Because yeah. he looks washed out, doesn't he? Yeah, he is. Uh, now, was he a heroin addict then? I or did he go off it? He, he just got clean. I think, well, I think he might have been. I think he was doing heroin then, but he wasn't really a massive addict. But he was doing that, smoking a lot of dope, drinking booze and that. Um, and later on in his career, um, in more rats, I don't think he's in Chasing Amy. No, because he's cleaning Clark's too, isn't he? He said he was clean. Apparently, he, he was the last. He, start, he he fell off the wagon a little bit, I think, because when you see the interviews for him, he looks pretty clean. Yeah, and he had a, he had something like a, a three year period of being clean, and then fell off the wagon, and then uh, and then Smith. That's why that's why they brought out the podcast. Jane and Bob get old. It's actually a podcast to keep him sober. So every week when they do it, he has to tell them how long he's been sober. Yeah. So it's just. Have you it's really good that podcast? It's really good. I, I I've been an avid listener to it. I mean, the earlier ones are really good because he's talking about his sex stories and stuff yeah. like that. You yeah. know, and he got, got he got up to some scratch, man. <laughs> However, he didn't get any yesterday. I don't know, but um, and his drug stories. But again, it's an intervention podcast. It tells as it. Kevin Smith has always said this is not a podcast where he's saying you shouldn't do drugs because let's face it, he's a massive stoner. Yeah. Um, but he says control your high. It's all you got to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Muse can't. He can't do it. He was he was addicted to oxycotton. Bloody hell! Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. addicted to that, and obviously he was addicted to alcohol. And so he, he's he's totally clean. He's been clean now for five years. He's he's married. He's got a little one. Oh, so he's got something else to look forward to in life. Really. So he's pretty good. But he had a shitty upbringing. Um, he can't wear prosthetic makeup um, because he used to get locked in a cupboard. That's why you're about that, yeah. And so we can't handle closed spaces. Now, a lot of directors would turn around and say, we'll either sack him or, you know, get on with it. Uh, Kevin Smith didn't. Kevin Smith just brought somebody else in to do it, you know, because he understood the fact that he'd be gone for that. Yeah, he, he had a real rough life. And, you know, fair play to him. But, yeah, if you, if you listen to uh, Jan Solibob Get Old, it's a cracking podcast. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 they did go off a little bit when they were promoting Red State and also with um, Jan Solibob's um, cartoon groovy movie because they were just talking about that. And yeah, you can understand why, and that's fair play. But of course, when you, you hear the same thing about the show, it kind of loses momentum. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's the minor quibble. But uh, Jason Mewes is 41 now, born in Highlands, New Jersey. So we're same age, we are the same age as... Uh, as Jay, yeah. Kids. Well, we're a year older than him. Really. I'm, not, I'm still 41. Fuck you. <laughs> Only for the bit. <laughs> Only for the bit. Um, but yeah, he's uh, Kevin Smith, born uh, August 12, 1970. Uh, he's 45 in Red Bank, New Jersey, and he's been married to Jennifer Schwalbach uh, since 1999. And there, he has one child called Harley Quinn Smith. Bloody hell, yeah. <laughs> really cool. But he's, you look at his website and uh, his stuff that he's done, he's, he's filmed in which he's directed and, and wrote. And he's a Clark Small Rats Chasing Amy Dogma. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, in which he was just drinking. Uh, Jay was at that point. Was it, yeah? <laughs> Jersey Girl, Clark's 2, Zach and Minnie Maker Porno, mm-hmm. Cop Out, Red State, Tusk Holidays, and Yoga Houses. Um, he hasn't had great success with well I was going to say to you you were saying that he made do you think he's had an unfulfilled career I think the fact that he's got I know he's still young he's got a lot of time oh god he's got, you know what and the thing is I think Cope I think could have been a good you've seen Cope yeah, but yeah he was do you know there's a good film in there yeah. it's the should never have picked Bruce Willis no he just, he's not interested in anything like that and which I would have thought he would have been Oh, young director, but I think he clashed with Kevin Smith, didn't he? I think so. Well, I know Kevin Smith didn't like him, didn't did he? he? Work, didn't Kevin Smith work with him on um, uh, Die Hard? He played a 
computer nerd in Die Hard, didn't he? Uh-huh. Maybe that's where they met. But Bruce Willis is notoriously an arsehole these days. Uh, and uh, it's such a shame that he's, he, you know, he's gone from... Whether it's another one of them things or like an aging actor, you know. You can't do it again. He's not, a, he's not a great actor anyway. I he mean, was never a great he, actor. He should be honest. Like, yeah. You know, I think he could have had, Reed, to me, a career like Kurt Russell. Yeah. Kurt Russell's 60 years old now. Still and he's still amazing. Him. And he still turns up. He's supposed to be absolutely brilliant to work with. Do you think uh, Kurt Russell really hasn't had a blip? Even Overboard isn't a bad film. You know, <laughs> he's proud of what he does. I, you know, I've read loads of stuff on him. And it's like I said, he's proud of every film he does, mm. but he takes it for what it is. When mm. he did Overboard, he said he wanted something so, he could, so his kids could well, go he, along. Well, he worked with Goldie Horn on that one, yeah, didn't he? So, you know, yeah. and he can be Snake Plissken and Overboard and, and, and be in a Disney movie, and that's the career he should be looking for. Doesn't he in Breakdown? I love Breakdown. Breakdown's a great I, film. I, I like that Breakdown. That's a really good film. That is a really good film. But, you know, Bruce Willis, oh. there's some brilliant films. Cal, what? is it time to make an announcement about the fact that there's a, we haven't done a... Uh, John Carpenter, Kurt Russell film. No, we haven't done that, have we? we, we, we are talk, doing we're are you big, sure we didn't? We haven't done big. I'm sure we've done big. Big Tommy Little China. I'm sure we've done. We that. haven't done one. This is a bit crazy, really. We talked about this other day. We should do Big Trouble. I'm sure we've done Big Trouble though. There must be John Carpenter fans out there, mustn't there? If you're a John Carpenter fan, get on to get onto the uh, waffle on thing and tell us what have we done? JC it? film. I'm mean, not talking about Jesus. If Christ. we haven't done it. We'll do that. If we yeah. have done Big Trouble, are we, what are we going to do? We've just loads, man. We've got escaped from Are you sure we didn't do Halloween either? I don't think we have. Really? So we will, we'll so get back to you. Yeah. This is what our production meetings are like. This is <laughs> we sit there and we go, right, what podcast are we going to do? And then we end up thinking, forgetting, we should have a list, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, what have we done? Yeah. Hey, anyone on our Facebook page, do us a favour, copy and paste the list of Waffle Arms that one there and throw it up there for us, will you? I mean, it's, that'd be real nice of you. <laughs> While you're at it, can you leave us a review on iTunes? We haven't had any value. Yeah. I've got a cracking one on, um, on uh, the Australian web. I think it's an Australian one. I think I took a photograph of it if I find it. Remind me yeah. later. Yeah. I'll read it out. Yeah, so um, we've also done um, stuff like Silent Bob Speaks, My Boy in Ass Life, Uncomfortable Candy Diary of Kevin Smith. Also, the Kevin Smith Live um, DVDs no, yeah. that which are, are really Yeah, I was going to tell you, there's a couple of them on Netflix that are worth watching. They are. Are they the good? The first one. The first one, definitely. second one's a bit of a rehash. first one's really good. I'm looking at it here and all the... Do you want to, do you want to know some of the comics he's wrote? Uh, yeah, I, I, what's he, what comics? What, I don't know. Uh, Chasing Dogma, Daredevil, Guardian Devil. Uh, are they official comics? They're official. Yeah, yeah, they're all yeah, Image in DC. Uh, Blunt Man and Chronic, uh, Green Arrow, Quiver, Green Arrow, Sounds of Violence, Spider-Man, Black Cat, Daredevil and Bullseye, the target, Batman, Cacophony, Batman, the Widening Giant, Green Hornet, that was 2010, The Bionic Man, oh man, that would have been good if you had The Bionic Man because where have just been? Yeah, yeah. Um, Batman 66 meets the Green Hornet, that one actually I think I've got at home, uh, Batman Velocity, and then Try Back Introductions, Preacher, Hitman, uh, 10,000 Bullets, so he's, He's done a hell of a lot of stuff there in the comics kind of thing. So you can see where his heart is, really. Why has he never been involved? All the things that have been done, and how many levels of it is these days? Mm. It's the funny one, no one's picked him up to do one. No, but I swear, I mean, you know the comic, The Preacher's coming out. You know, he used to be madly into The Preacher. Yeah. (laughs) Looks terrible. He did look... This doesn't look good. But should we talk about the film? Yeah. So the, the film's basically set in a convenience store called The Quick Stop where Dante works and next door is the RT video store in which Randall works. Yeah. Both still going to this day, still look exactly the same. 
Zoom the video store yeah. ourselves. What if people go there and have the picture about the mustard? Oh, what, doing the Silent Bob and... Yeah, 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 yeah. Outside the store is Jay and Silent Bob, played by Kevin Smith and um, Jason Mewes, who just hang out. Who would have forgot how slight they are in the first film? Yeah, in my yeah. head, like I told you, hmm. I got the two films quite <coughs> muddled up in my head, and they're quite in that second one, quite a lot. They're hardly in the first one, are no, they? No, hardly no. in it, hardly. No. I think you ended it up about like 10 minutes. Yeah. They're not enough, apart from the fact at the end when Simon and Bob speaks. Yeah. But the film basically is is the, their conversations between them two, and it is just a mate's conversation. Do you know what I thought it was a bit like? And I know this is a bit weird, and you never hear it come out of my mouth. I thought it was a bit like an, an American Last of the Summer Wine. That's an unusual. Yeah, actually, I can see what But that's surprising about life. Yeah. You know, because I'm not a massive fan of that. Because it reminds me of being a kid and having to sit there on a Sunday night yeah. thinking about school the next day. <laughs> but it was quite philosophical programme, wasn't it? Mm. Everyone sitting around talking about their lives and what they got up to. If it would have been more of that than them going down the end of the bloody bathtub, <laughs> it might have been good. <laughs> but, you know, because I think there was... And I think like that, it's just way with them musing over life, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also the, the, the customers who come in... Like you've got the customer who comes in who uh, starts talking about people about the, the dangers of smoking. That's a wicked bit. That and it is. turns out that he's actually from the from gun the company. company. Yeah, yeah, who, yeah. Who does it all? That's brilliant. That is really good. And the fact you got the people who like the woman who can uh, takes the milk out, which is Kevin Smith's mom. Ah. Like, in fact, she's in the end of Clark's too, if you look. Ah, the, same, ah. the same character. And you got all these people. But what's the best line in Clark's? Mine's. Uh, <laughs> it's mine, going to be the same as mine. Is it? Uh, did you? Did you? Did you know that my girlfriend sucked thirty-seven dicks in a row? <laughs> Yeah, that's a great line, that is. I think it's the funniest line in there, isn't it? It's like that line. My two favourite lines is that bit and the bit, you're going to evolve down there. That's a massive one, you dingleberry. Yeah, yeah, I love that bit. There's also a real clever bit of, clever bit of filming. Because you know when they play the hockey? Because he, he wants to play hockey, anybody he? knows that he can't get off work now. Because he's not, the whole point is Dante is not meant to be in work that day. He's meant to be going to play hockey, so they play hockey on the booth. And you've got the guy say, hey, are you open? And the, 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 the antagonist up there shouts, no. If you look, the guy who's gone up on the ladder to tell me I can play better than you is the same guy at the bottom of the beard. That's Scott Mercer, the producer. Oh, is it? So they've double those classic Peter Jackson yeah. things from like, yeah. which must be influenced because when you think about Bad Taste was made in 1987. Yeah, so yeah. Peter Jackson's the first to actually bank while his own film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's the first time I've ever done that. One with a beard, one without a beard. Yeah, yeah. Quite, quite now, why, isn't it, if it, I don't know, it's a bit nerdy, but why was it shot in black and white? Was it the spotted tree? Yes. Because I, I thought, is he just being like it's a bit like? Because in my head, I thought, oh, well, if it's a bit like it, you know, you're looking through like a security camera. I mean, but then I thought, oh, no, it's probably just budget, isn't it? It's budget and lighting. Because you're filming something that's at night in a store with natural lighting. So they had to take certain lights out because they had to put the film lights up, which is why they've got one less and beam above the counter in the, in the store. Ah. So, yeah, it's film, film purely for that. Um, so you get there's a love triangle thing going on as well in it a little bit there's Dante and his girlfriend which actually goes on to the second one as well who um, he doesn't think he loves what is that classic thing that you are when you're young yeah, when you're young and got a girlfriend you're always looking you're yeah. always comparing your girlfriend to other girls out there so it's why when you're stupid the stupid he's like dumping girlfriends because I want to be with my mates and play the field yeah. we've all been there and I was watching <laughs> this and you don't you know being a bloke you're always thinking is that Better, yeah. she better. For me. The grass is always. Good. You know, we've all had it mm-hmm. as a young guy, yeah. and it's not. It no, never no, is no, no, no. because a young person, then you can't get him back there. <laughs> Which is what happens to him. He think he he, he thinks yeah. that the girl who was going to get married, she comes back. 
She ends up having sex with the dead person. That's a great scene. It is a we great scene. We get old guy coming, old, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. an old Jewish guy. Yeah. Hey there, Sonny, can I use your toilet? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got some toilet roll? And he has, can I have a mag- one of those ones with the big tits? And yeah. he's, like, he's just going there to have a massive wank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you dirty man. And then he dies and she ends up shagging him. Yeah, which, yeah. of course, I think is a brilliant bit of, of, yeah, of yeah. writing on that. The, the scene with Randall in the comic book store, with, um, when the, the girl asked for the puppy, puppy uh, film, and he has to read up those porn films. That's an amazing bit. Yeah, no. Is that all? Is that all scripted? That bit there. It's all scripted, but the girl and the the little boy is not there. Yeah, Jeff uh, Jeff Anderson refused to do it with. It. He said I can't read this out with a little. A little yeah, child. I thought. Yeah, no, but yeah. Her reaction, Some of them films are fucking mad. Big black clocks. Big curly white. I should have wrote those. But you I, should have wrote them all. I, down, I, amazing. I, I was just thinking. Can you imagine somebody listening to this podcast? There's some of the parents walking. You know, going, you know, well, this, Cumberland's volume two. It's the, it's the filthiness of Kevin Smith, isn't it? Is, it? Well, he is. Well, however, we said that's my negative side of it, but we'll do yeah. as we go. Yeah, we'll on talk about it. that again. Uh, but the, the woman's reaction to the titles is real, but that's Kevin Smith reading them wow. to her. So, but obviously the, the, the kid wasn't there. Yeah, I mean, there, there's some brilliant scenes in that, but you know, there's an alternative ending to this film. No, like, the alternative ending is Dante gets shot and killed, which is on the the other disc that I lent you. Oh, actually, I would have not quite like that. It doesn't but work. Doesn't work. No, you watch it because the film ends. The, 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 like what they say in Clark's too, but we'll come back to that with the, the Hobbit's natural ending instead of the 25 ones that they added on. Um, the Lord of the Rings, sorry. Yeah. Um, when Randall throws in the I show you will open sign and he goes, we're closed, like that, and he turns around and smiles, right? That, I think, is a perfect ending and that's when they do end it. But what happens is uh, Dante walks around to the counter. Apparently somebody had snuck, sneaked in. I think you do see that slightly. And he turns around and as he looks up, there's a guy with a shotgun just shoots him. Uh-huh. And you see him just lying there dead. And you look at it and you think, hmm, yeah, yeah. it doesn't work. And the reason why I think it doesn't work is the fact that throughout the whole of this film, you've got, uh, you've, done really, cause you've done it really well where you've got the three points in the yeah, film, beginning yeah. and end. you've got a good story all the way through, and it ends with them thinking, well, is the next day the same? Yeah. And that's what's quite nice about it, because the fact that... What did he wrote first, you know? What had he done? Oh yeah, he wrote it as being shot. That and was that, the that's, that's the in four cut, yeah. But uh, Weinstein rejected it, as you can't have that, and it didn't work well anyway with the audiences. Yeah. But when you watch it, it, you do feel, you kind of feel like um, just left empty. It's like it's not what you want. Mm. Now, yeah, there's sometimes it's good to have a bit of a bleak ending, and stuff, sometimes it works. But with that, because you've had the film where it's actually you've got the conclusion where they they've had that fight where they fight about Randall ruining his chances of his girlfriend and Randall putting him in his place, saying you had the perfect thing, oh, and, yeah. and Silent Bob thing of saying, man, you know. There's plenty of girls out there, but not every girl brings a lasagna to work for you. Right. Which is a wonderful line. You've got all those end pages. Mm. Everything's mm. closed. Mm. Yeah, suddenly you had this thing where, well, oh, right, oh. It's a bit like Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Don't yeah. know what to do, so you have them all arrested by the police. Yeah. Uh, what do we do? Let's just shoot him. Why? Yeah. Is it, what, yeah, no, I couldn't understand it because he didn't have no thing that he was... Fair enough, if he would have been someone stalking him or... Yeah, well, so that was part he, of the story. He'd annoyed someone at the beginning yeah. or threw a customer out. Exactly. So he caught him for stealing or something. Yeah, it, it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But that was the 104 minute cut. There's a lot of extra bits on there, really. But I, I think it works perfectly well in trimming it down. Um, as I said to you before, the reason why you trim it down is to make it to a watchable film yeah. and that's the one you release. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, there was a Clark's TV show. Right, I'll read this out. A pilot for a live-action TV series was produced in 1995 and it was produced by Touchstone Television. The pilot only referenced the character names and starred none of the cast from the original film, contained no foul language, and did not feature Silent Bob. 
The character of Jay was featured, prompting Smith to point out that he owned the character rights to both Jay and Silent Bob for the purposes of featuring them in separate films. The producer's solution was to change the character name to Ray. Kevin Smith was unaware of the production of the series until casting was underway, and Smith had been in production with more rats at the same time and attempted to become involved in the series, but became disheartened quickly, as an episode he had written for the series was shot down. He would later use the same script for that in Clark's animated series. O'Halloran and Anderson both auditioned for the role of Dante Hicks, as Anderson's part of Randall Graves was the film had already been filmed, by future Saturday Night Live performer Jim Brewer. After seeing the results, Smith said that it was terrible, and then O'Halloran and Anderson said they were both glad they didn't get the part. So they didn't even cast the original people, even though they auditioned for it. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Just cause, just showing that TV producers at the time had no idea what's going on. Wow, well, they think it was all about power then. They're not going to give it up to Kevin Smith, are they? No. They're not going to... Because, you know, Kevin Smith is not in the industry, is he? He's not part no. of that. Look like John, look like John Carpenter, George Romero. Yeah. They've never really done, made loads of money because they've never been part of that industry, but that's why they've made great stuff. There was also an animated series, which I own. What's that like? Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, is it's it sweary fun. like that? What? Is it sweary? Mm, not as bad not as that. anything. Uh, Clarence Animated Series was a short-lived six-episode... I'll end here if you want to. Yeah, I'd love to see it. Uh, animated TV scene featuring the same characters and the cast of the original film. Two episodes aired on ABC Network. <laughs> which was a subsidiary of the Disney Company, which also owned Miramax. And the studio released many of Smith's films, including Clark's. In late May, early June, before being pulled from the lineup, the full six episodes were released on DVD in 2001. Of course, there were the comics as well. There is, at the moment, a film being shot called Shooting Clark's. Uh, it's an upcoming film directed by Christopher Downey and starring Brian O'Halloran, Mark Frost, Scott Schaefer, Matthew Possway and Kevin Smith and it's being produced by Old Rico Media. What is it? It's uh, about the making of Clarks. A, f- a series about the making of Clarks? Just a film, short film about how they make Clarks. Ah. So it's got the blessing of Kevin Smith and so it looks quite good. I've seen a couple of still pictures of them. Whether it's shot in like, um, you know, that kind of comedy style way that they do with like how they made a film. Uh, yeah, like them. Uh, like yeah, the what's the one that was like that recently? I know you're gonna, you know, if it's going to be postmodern. I think that's mm. gonna, yeah, that's that's quite interesting. Is he? Do you know if he ever said he's going to do another Clark's or he, yes, there is a Clark's screen production because I've heard that. that mm. but, but what you know, they're going to do it again because I love you know what I'm saying. You know, actually, I think I prefer Clark's two to Clark's one, mm. but. Um, it's going to be interesting how they're going to do it again because they're getting, I suppose, I suppose though, no, it's more interesting as they're getting older now, isn't they? Because yeah. they haven't got the youth behind them anymore. Yeah, got, I mean, they're, they're all getting old, you know. He talks a lot about it on the podcast that he was going to do Clark's 3 and it sounded like he was going to do a kind of animated or some kind of like radio series thing where other people could come in. And I was thinking this doesn't sound too good. But then he decided to do more Rats 2. But he's going to do more Rats 2 after Clark's 3. I don't know more right? Rats. I know, I don't know more Rats. <clears throat> uh, um, but now he's opted to do it's Paul Clark's 3 that's going to be later and he's doing more Rats 2 which is under production now so I think it's all going ahead with everything like that yeah but I, I, you know I think I just hope he don't slip into that thing of just doing the same thing over and over again yeah. reshooting the same you know I want a director you know I want a director who's doing new stuff and his new stuff like we talked about Zach can think he'd make a porno his <laughs> awful film and to me as we say it, it goes the negative against his thing which is the crudity, which seems weird for me saying that because I'm a crude git, but I think it goes <laughs> too much, doesn't it? The yeah. donkey bit in Clark's too, it's not funny. I think I watched that last night and uh, my opinion of that slightly changed now. I don't know whether I thought, it, I'll come to that in a minute. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just found something here which, which uh, I thought you might quite like. Do you think I can remember where it is now? The word fuck uh, and his derivatives are said 91 times throughout the whole of this film. 
It's weird because he gets loads of swear, but then he'll say weird words like Dingleberry. Yes. It's really weird. <laughs> it's a weird mix of language. Film was never dubbed into German. An extremely rare occurrence for German audiences. The DVD and Blu-ray releases feature just German subtitles. Now, there is a, a, a cut a scene from this film, which was never filmed, but it is on the box set. And that's the bit, you know, where they go to the funeral. And they, they talk about it and they come back. What happens is that they go to the funeral and they look at... Is it going to shut that scene in No, then? no, no. It was written, but they, did, they didn't have the time to film it, but it's done in animated... Because you, you don't really know what's going on. All oh, you know right. is he put his arm on the... Well, what, hap- on what happens is, is that they go and look at the body and they talk about it. And uh, Vandal says, I'm bored, let's go. And Dante throws in the keys, but as he misses the keys and they land in the casket, like right in between the legs. So he goes to put his hand down in the pants to try and get the keys out. And so to hide what he's doing, Randall massages his back, pretending that he's crying. The dad comes along, sees what they're doing. As a massive go at them, they struggle to get away, and then like, the casket open, the body falls out. Oh, that'd be a good scene. And then they leg it out. That sounds like a really good scene. And that's why you see them then running out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's what the scene was. Oh, that's interesting, because I like that. I would I, was, I like, because that's the only sort of time they go outside their world, isn't it? It is a bit, yeah. Do you know that Kevin Smith directed a music video for Soul Asylums? Can't even tell. Did he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, da, 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 da. I'm just looking at all the but we've actually talked about all of the uh, <laughs> oh the film takes place in April 1993 oh god it's such a time of your life it's the clothes and everything it's what he's wearing isn't it? with the duck martins with the bloody comeback yeah with the comeback over it ah oh, it's just so much uh, multiple conversations and references in the film including but not into Randall's discussion about the end of Return of the Jedi and the song about Chewbacca of course that's all about um, the Death Star and that whether they had the outside contract I like that bit which is a brilliant bit yeah yeah bit. but yeah again I thought there was more Star Wars stuff in that first one mm. but really it's the second one that are the, talking about Star Wars and Lord of the Rings isn't it so now there is a um, in between Clarks and Clarks 2 I believe is the infamous flying car sketch that was done for I think a, a TV studio or something like that oh, you always talk about this so we're going to play that now right. it's times like this it occurs to me we were lied to by the Jetsons what are you talking about according to that show we were supposed to be tooling around in flying cars by now you see any flying cars lately that's the problem with TV it always lies to us. Yeah, well, most of us rational thinkers weren't banking on a cartoon to offer us a viable glimpse into the future of technological development. You don't think anyone anywhere is working on the flying car? <sighs> I could care less. I gotta believe there's somebody else out there thinking about the flying car besides me. Someone who's not afraid to throw their hats over the wall for the good of mankind. What's that supposed to mean? Throw their hats over the wall? It means committing to doing something. If more people threw their heads over the wall, we wouldn't be sitting in this mess right now. We'd be zooming over it in the flying car. I see you've given us a lot of thought. Kennedy, all right? JFK himself, when he was in office, he stood before the world and he promised them a man on the moon within 10 years. The thing is, nobody had started working on the space program at that point. JFK had no data to back up his claim, no insight into the practicality of space travel. But you know what he had? Marilyn Monroe. The man had sack. The man had the sack to stand before the world and say, yo, yo, get this, we're going to the moon. Imagine if you and I were the kind of guys who had the sack to stand before the world and say, get this, we'll all be in the flying car by the end of the year. Do you know you have a one-track mind? Hey, what would you be willing to trade for the flying car? What do you mean? Say some German scientist comes up to you and he says, I have invented the flying car. I'll give it to you on one condition. Well, what's the condition? He's not going to tell you. Then it's no deal. 
The guy is offering you the flying car. Yeah, but there's obviously a catch. Who cares what the catch is? It's the flying car. You'll have the only one in the world. And why is this German scientist? Yeah, well. Why is he offering it to me for free instead of one of the car companies instead? What is this, murder she wrote? Who cares what's behind the mystery? You gonna look a gift horse in the mouth? Just take the car, man. Not until I know what the catch is. Fine. The catch is you've got to cut off a foot. No way. Are you saying you wouldn't cut off your foot for the flying car? You're that selfish. It's my foot. How am I supposed to walk? What walk? You'll have the flying car. Good God, you could sell the design and engineering secrets to the car companies and be a multi-billionaire. After that, you could buy like 50 prosthetic feet. Which foot? Right or left? Your choice. Okay, I'll trade my left foot for the flying car. Why your left foot? That's got an ingrown toenail. Listen to you. Guy offers you the fire from Olympus that is the flying car, and you trade him a bum foot? You said I could pick! So it's a deal, then. Your foot for the flying car. You're sure? Yes, I'm sure. You can't welch. I won't welch. Because the whole world is counting on you. Why the whole world all of a sudden? Because the German scientist held a press conference when he made you the offer. He told the world media once the trade is made, you can do whatever you want with the flying car, including mass market affordable model for consumer purchase. What the hell kind of scientist is this guy anyway? One with a lot of free time on his hands. And a foot fetish. So, are you in? You gonna do the right thing here? Yes. So it's a deal? Yes. Okay. So, then what happens is you find out the guy's gonna take off your foot with a hacksaw. What? And no anesthetic. Oh, screw that. Come on, it's part of the deal. You didn't say that before. Well, you should have paid a lawyer to look over the contract. But come on, it only hurts when they're taking the foot off. After that, they'll use a local on your stump and corduroys the wound. Well, why can't I have a local before he cuts it off? Because he is a sick degenerate that likes to inflict pain. You said he was a man of science! You don't think Einstein liked hacking guys' feet off, but nobody ever said anything about it because he was one of the greatest thinkers of our time? But come on, man! Take the hit for the team! It's a few seconds of pain for a lifetime of riches and zero traffic. Fine. As long as I get the local as soon as he's done cutting. So you want the local? Who am I, the Marquis de Sade? Yes, I want the local. All right. Why'd you say it like that for? It's just the local he gives you knocks you out. And when you're out, he diddles your peenie. Oh, come on. Hey, man, you made the deal. To trade my foot for the flying car, not to be tortured and molested by some mad German scientist. And his friends. What? Just when he's done with you, he gives his friends a shot at you, too. Deal's off. What, are you some kind of homophobe? No, I just don't want to be diddled by some insane German scientist and his friends after they've hacked my foot off. Need I remind you this is for the flying car? It ain't worth it. See? You're what's wrong with this country. Hell, with this world, you're always thinking about your own comfort level, never thinking about the rest of us. This country was built on sacrifice, and nearly 30 years of living a life full of selfish foot-pampering and intergender intercourse has made you too soft to throw your hat over the wall for the good of mankind. And what's worse is, not only do you ruin it for the rest of us with the flying car, but you completely blow the notion of American nobility in the process. The children of the world have no heroic figure to emulate, so the future of mankind continues on its downward spiral into entropy and mass extinction until all that was once great about the human race lies buried in the primordial stew to which we'll most certainly return thanks to you and your ilk's refusal to reach for the stars. And you'll forever be remembered as the sad footnote in the book of life, the wimpy little scumbag who could have breached the chasm of becoming and being, but instead opted to cover his own ass and foot in the process. All right! I'll go through with the deal. 
I'll let the German scientist hack my foot off, then him and his friends can have their way with me, all for the flying car. You'd do it with a bunch of guys just to get a car? I thought I knew you, man. I love the flying car. No, you love that bit. I think you do. I think, I think it's absolutely brilliant. The flying car. Once again, though, it's Jeff Anderson's voice. It's about that he does that with his hand. The yeah. flying car. So, Clark's 2. Let's talk briefly about Clark's 2. Flipping burgers? Jesus, anyone else from our graduating class back there? Whatever I do is not a waste of time. It's all building towards something. How about you build towards making some fucking fries? They're coming! 17-year-olds nowadays are crazy. They're up for anything. They even like it when you go ass to mouth. There's only one return, okay? And it ain't of the king, it's of the Jedi. Maybe we should start calling your friend Padme because he loves Mannequin Skywalker so much, right? Hey, danger, danger. My name is Anakin. My shitty acting is ruining Saga. Thanks, come again. Mr. Dante! Leave Elias alone, Rando! Don't look at his wheelie. Uh, you know for what I'm going to put a cliff in that. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you, you know what's going to be. You're going to put the Lord of the Rings. I'm going to put the Lord of the Rings. It's the nice thing. It's just brilliant. Oh my. No, no. My favourite is Porch Monkey, but you really can't put that on. <laughs> That's no, the my favourite stuff. The actress, the actress in that, I don't, I don't have her name. Um, the. Uh, the the one who really has a mad go at it, go at him. She's in something else as well. I can't remember what it is, no, but she's. I mean, it's way like the. Word. No, like the bloke's pissed off, but then he ain't until he gets no, some get chicken, chicken nuggets. <laughs> he goes, ah, I'm alright. <laughs> I'm bringing Porch Monkey back. Yeah, that's well, I suppose really a lot of people though outside of I suppose outside of America, because you know what Porch Monkey stands for. Yeah, I, I, I suppose outside of America, like us, really, I didn't really get the joke. I didn't understand what Porch Monkey was until I looked up and the fact that I realised that it was you know real derogatively uh, meaning that black people only are lazy and just sit on porches all yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. when you think about, it, hey, that's terrible, isn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah. Anybody else who doesn't know what that is, you think, well, what does that mean? Yeah, but I mean, that's, that's basically hardly poor here in England. Called that. Called monkey angus because they, <laughs> they hung a monkey because they thought it was a spy during what was it not French, 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 French spy yeah yeah, yeah me. anyway Clark's 2 written, again written it's not the same film movie. again in it really yeah yeah virtually yeah. the same the same people in it um, but it was released June 21st 2006 had a budget of 5 million but made 27 million a lot of people have a pop about Clark's 2 what, what's the main thing that people don't like about it they don't like the fact that it's it's like it has a musical bit in a bit where I really like the musical number the, that's in there the, the dance bit the, the dance bit yeah which comes on but, yeah. but, but they're older aren't they they're older and I, you know what there's a beautiful scene where he realises how much he loves um the, the girl he's got pregnant on the rooftop when she's doing the Michael Jackson yeah. song and that wonderful long the slow camera shot that's going into him 
And Kevin Smith, when you said he was directing, he said, look, you, mean, you, you suddenly realise how much you love this woman. And Brian O'Halloran acts so well the way that he's sort of like just... Uh, you can see that he's looking at her and he's smiling and there's something in his eyes where that, that realisation comes. And, you know, and of course, Kevin Smith's wife's in it playing um, uh, the one he's most supposed to marry. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I watched it the other day and, yeah, you got the Lord of the... She'll play the Lord of the Rings. Right? Yeah, exactly. So this is the scene where um, uh, they're talking about Lord of the Rings and there's only there's only one return, my friend, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, because he loves... Gone, yeah. He just loves Return of the Jedi because he's on about that in the first one. Yeah, he, he loves, loves Return, Return of the Jedi. Jedi, I don't know. And this is what a lot of people, not, not so much me, but I think what you think about Lord of the Lord Rings. Of the Rings. <laughs> Randall. One ring to rule them all. You wonder why no chick will let you stick your cock in her? I never wondered that. Yeah, but you've accepted the fact that you'll never get a chick a long time ago. I'd get a chick if I wanted. <laughs> Who are you kidding? You can't get a chick, you mook. You're too weird and sad. I turn down chicks left and right. Your chicks are your left and right. Yeah, right, what do you know? Uh, I know you're a huge fucking nerd of potsy-like proportions, and no chicks dig nerds, especially nerds that are into Lord of the Rings. Chicks dig Lord of the Rings, Randall. Yeah, kind of chicks that are into swords and elves and shit, and I wouldn't fuck them with the torch of Gondor. Oh, you're so gross. Hey, man. Welcome to movies. May I take your order? Yeah, um, see. Give me one utterly delicious milkshake, skinny calf, and order of onion rings. Thanks. One ring to rule them all. One ring to find them. Oh, Jesus. One ring to bring them all. And in the darkness bind them. Yes, suit! How many times? Well, um, three for fellowship. Two for towers. Four for return. Five for return. All right, look. There's only one return, okay? And it ain't of the king, it's of the Jedi. Oh, Star Wars geek. Uh -huh. Oh, I'm the geek? Look at you two whipping out your preciouses. You'll have to excuse him. He's not down with the trilogy. Oh, what the fuck happened to this world? There's only one trilogy, you fucking morons. You know what? Maybe we should start calling your friend Padme. Because he loves Mannequin Skywalker so much, right? Hey, danger, danger. My name is Anakin. My shitty acting is ruining Saga. <laughs> yeah, you're crazy, Jar Jar. Oh, I'm crazy? Those fucking Hobbit movies were boring as hell. All it was was a bunch of people walking. Three movies of people walking through a fucking volcano. Here's the first movie. And here's the second movie. He is way off, loser. You ready for the third movie? <sighs> fucking A. Even the fucking trees walked in those movies. You know what? I've had enough of you. Your simplistic analysis of the trilogy aside, The Lord of the Rings was a massive achievement that even the Academy recognized when they gave Peter Jackson the Best Directing Oscar. An award your little friend, George Toy Boy Lucas, has never and will never win. Bones. Oh, sick burn. Let me tell you something. 
If Peter Jackson really wanted to blow me away with those Rings movies, he would have ended the third one on the logical closure point. Not the 25 endings that followed. What's the logical closure point? Yeah, friend. Enlighten us. When fucking Frito wakes up from his little coma or whatever and the little hobbits are jumping up and down on his bed and Sam leans in the doorway and gives him that very fucking gay look. Not the rings, Randall. Say what you will about Jesus, but leave the rings out of this. I'm gonna kick your ass back to the Shire if you don't shut your fucking mouth. That look was so gay, I thought Sam was gonna tell the little hobbits to take a walk so he could saunter over to Frodo and suck his fucking cock. Now that would have been an Academy Award-worthy ending. Hey, faggot. They're not gay. They're hobbits. And then right after the Sam Frodo suck fest, right before the credits roll, Sam fucking flat out bricks in Frodo's mouth. I swear. Fuck you. Even the fucking trees walking out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you're right. So they could do that film in friggin'. Walk, 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 drop. Drop, yeah. <laughs> Right job done. <laughs> but also, uh, Jeff Anderson's acting is, and, and behind the scenes on the Clark's Two box set, um, you see him filming that scene where Randall turns around, they're having that argument in the prison cell, and he turns around and says, "God, you're going to have to make me do that, aren't you?" And he says, "But you're my best friend, you know." Don't it? And that scene is so beautiful because he says, "We should just buy the quick stop." Yeah, yeah. And we should do that. In fact, we'll play it. Have we, ironically, we, we went to do Clark's and we're playing two scenes for Clark's two. No play. Yeah, but I think that's waffling all over. It's waffling all over. <laughs> but I think it sums up how good, how a good writer he is, and how good actors. Jeff Anderson and Brian O'Hallan. And I think, I think the the, the scene of, of them now having an argument. If you're two mates, like what we are, two best mates, and you have these, you've, we've had these arguments, we've had them in the past, okay, now we have and, and, and I think if you, you know, you, you relate to it, I think it's brilliant. Jail cell design hasn't changed much in centuries, has it? Maybe it's time they brought in the laser bars or something. Oh, they can make a hard plastic cage like Magneto's in X-Men 2. No. Come on, dude, let's keep it in the real world, all right? But you know it wouldn't be a bad idea? Carbonite. What do you think, Dante? I think I'm gonna kill you! Awful, What up, Steel Cage Match? You ruined my life! Your life was already ruined! Jesus. What were you thinking? A fucking donkey show? It was your going away present. It sure was. I just never thought I'd be going away to prison. Hey, boys. You can't be in prison for watching an interspecies sex act. You guys will walk. The most I'll get will be a fine for animal abuse and a lot of disgusted looks from ass-wiped conservatives who can't appreciate sexual exploration. Hey. <laughs> I miss my donkey. I can't believe you. I finally get my shit together. I'm hours from getting out of here and really starting my life. And you somehow figured out a way to obliterate all that and reduce me to a convict. Oh, yeah, it's my fault your life's fucked up. I'm the engaged guy who knocked up my boss. You knocked up the guy who owns movies? Ew. <laughs> what? Would you shut up? <laughs> You're chaos incarnate, man. Our whole lives you've been getting me into trouble and holding me back. Oh, I'm holding you back, right? I remember like 10 years ago, the night we went to Julie Dwyer's funeral, you were all like, I need to shit or get off the pot. You said shit or get off the pot, not me. You got all fired up about taking charge of your life and what'd you do? 
You worked at the store till the place burned down. I took courses at Brookdale. And dropped out. Because you stopped going. Because we were just killing time with those classes. One semester we took criminology, for Christ's sakes. What the fuck were we training to be, Batman? At least we were doing something instead of wasting our lives in some fucking convenience store. You know what? You can badmouth Quick Stop all you want, but I miss that place. I loved working there. I look back on that period as the best time of my life. Now I know you're fucking nuts. Why? Because I enjoyed what I did? I got to watch movies, fuck with assholes, and hang out with my best friend all day. Can you think of a better way to make a living? Yeah, maybe it's not what everyone does, but it was pretty fucking good. Man, that's you all over. Scrape by with the bare minimum. Well, I'm tired of that, Randall. I'm not in high school anymore. Shit, I'm not even in my 20s anymore. I don't want to sit around and rag on customers while eating free food. That's what you want to do. That's what you've always wanted to do. Well, if that's all you want out of life, man, then God bless. But I refuse to let your shit taint the rest of mine. I'm going to smooth things over with Emma, go to Florida, and start my Randall Graves free existence. And try to forget these last 33 years ever happened. So that's the way you see all this time we've spent together? Weird, man. I thought you were the only guy in the world who got me and had my back. The only person who'd take a bullet for me, because I assumed you felt about me the same way I feel about you. Then all of a sudden, one day, you're like, I'm moving, bye. Do you know what that's been like for me? Like, I'm looking at a future that just sucks because you're not going to be in it anymore. And you're not even throwing me over for a life that means something to you. It's just a stupid, hollow existence you think you should embrace because you're getting old or something. Because it's the kind of life everyone else goes after. You're a fucking drone, dude. Fine. Then the next friend whose life you ruin can be a totally free spirit. How's that? You think I want to start making friends at my age? Christ. Who would want me as their friend? I hate everyone and everything seems stupid to me. But you were always the counterbalance to that. The guy who was the yin to my yang. Now what the fuck am I gonna do for the rest of my life? I mean, shit. I really wish you would've told me this when I first met you, that one day you were gonna bail on our friendship. Because if I had known you were just gonna flake on me a few decades later, bother with your ass in the first place. Jesus, why don't you two just fucking get it over with already? Why can't you ever say something useful for a change? Well, what the fuck are you waiting for? That's your cue, man. I got nothing. Jesus fucking Christ, what good are you, you fuck? You know what? That hurts. Like, what do you ever add to the fucking proceeding? You got like one answer for everything. Pussy, man. Oh, then, man, you must love this fucking guy, because he's the biggest pussy I ever met. The dude who lives his life according to everyone else's standards. I got to go to Florida and get married, because that's what's expected of me. 
And the fucking insane part is he ain't even that crazy about the chick he's marrying or Florida. Never mind the fact that he's got a perfectly good chick right here in Jersey who he's nuts about. And even Anne fucking Frank could see she's nuts about him. God knows why. And she likes you for who you are, man. She ain't trying to stuff you into a box you'll never fit into. Not to mention the fact that she's carrying your hideous fucking chud of a kid. Jesus, if you had any sense whatsoever, you'd fucking stop trying to bray it up with the rest of the sheep and live your life the way it makes sense for you, you fucking ass. Oh, yeah? And what's that? You obviously have such a great handle on your life. Tell me what you would do if you were in my position. Or even what you'd do in your own position. Swing that judgmental pendulum back the other way and tell me how you'd solve all your problems, asshole. What the fuck would the great Randall Graves do if you were half the master of his destiny that I'm supposed to be? I'd buy the quick stop and reopen it myself. That's what I'd do. That's what we should do. Yeah, right. Who, Lance Dowds? Do you know how much it would cost to buy the quick stop? Like 50 grand easy. Neither one of us have that type of money. We do. That's right. You guys would be willing to lend us some of that money so we can reopen the stores? Sure, on two conditions. One, we can hang out in front of the store anytime we want and you can't call the cops. And two, you have to blow each other. And we get to watch. Then you have to go ass to mouth. All right, just the first condition. Seriously. Do I stutter? Yes, yeah, seriously. What do you think? I almost hate to say it, but it kind of makes sense. Maybe that's why we spent so much time in that store. Why college or anything else never panned out for us. I mean, think about it, man. You and me running our own business instead of working for some other asshole? That'd be pretty fucking sweet, right? I don't know, man. I was this close and starting a new life. Jesus. You're actually going to make me do this, aren't you? Can you guys cover your ears for a minute, please? You're my best friend. I love you. In a totally heterosexual way. Yeah, right. Please, man, don't leave me. And it also the fact that it's uh, Jay and Silent Bob who get him out of the shit and they, they get to build the, the quick stuff again. And I think it ends really well. And I think I'd love to see what they do today, but part of me doesn't want to because I think it ends so well with them owning the quick stop. You see that yeah, yeah. pullback. And, and the, the Soul Asylum trap plays, which they did in real time, which I didn't know about. I think it ends so well. And um, part of me is thinking... Oh, yeah, no, I think so. Like I said, uh, like I, said I, I actually... 
if I'm going to watch one, I'd watch the second one. If I was going to yeah. pick to watch Clark, I like Clark's one. Mm. I like it, but he's rough around the edges, isn't he? And like yeah. you were saying, some of the acting is not great. You're not great. I like Snowball in the first one quite a lot. He's really <laughs> good. Um, but the second one, it just works better as a film, I think, because mm. a film as an indie. But the only bits I don't like, I don't like the bit where he goes and does the uh, go karting. Don't like that bit. Don't make any sense why just go off and do go karting. Mm. Don't like that bit, really. I think that's just so they. I know, just, the I don't really. It takes it out, and I don't like the, monk, yeah. the donkey stuff at the end. <laughs> no, I just don't believe anyone would be turning around with a fucking axe shaking a donkey. It'd be illegal. And I, I know I'm stepping up, but that's the only bit mm. I don't like. And that's my thing, like I'm going to say, my main thing with. He can push it over with crudity, can't he, Kevin Smith? He can a little if bit. He's yeah. crude, and I like crude, but he just steps over the mark yeah. sometimes. And you have to, oh, it's like, it's not very nice, now, is we, it? We know, I rewatched it the other day. It seemed to be a lot worse than what I. No, sorry. I had it in my head being a lot worse than when it actually is on film. Obviously, you don't see nothing. No. So, and that's the beauty of it, of course. You know, that there's, there's, you're reacting to something you don't see. Um, also, it's good to see Elias, you know, the the, the, the young kid, like, yeah. absolutely <laughs> masturbating. Yeah, yeah. Which is, like, terrible. But, no, I do agree with you. It's the one thing that I, that I get slightly upset by Kevin Smith, by. He's, um, I, don't, I can put up with his, any kind of criticism uh, exactly. on, on the podcast, and he talks a lot about his sex life with his wife. God knows what she thinks about it. But he does have the habit of banging on about him being fat. You know, have you seen what Kevin Smith looks like these days? What's he got now? He's looking pretty trim, man. He's After looking pretty uh, good. safety debacle. Yeah, because that was with Southwest Airlines. And all that came about the fact he normally he always buys two seats. <clears throat> That's why he did one because in fact that so he doesn't have to talk to anybody. But two because he, he was conscious about his size. But the, he was apparently they refused to fly because he was a fat bloke. Now we all know that a plane can take you know. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And they space people out. It was just bullshit attitude of that airline. And you know they got condemned pretty bad for it, and rightly so. Yeah, but he was humiliated by. He was that, humiliated though, by, it? and no one should be humiliated, regardless of like what, however size he was. And he knew he was overweight, and he's done something about it. But the point is though, is that and apparently there's another larger lady who was on either a flight later, and he had her on the show because I think she was humiliated by. You shouldn't humiliate anybody, regardless if they're famous, and you shouldn't do it to anybody. No, and that was no, just no. humiliating. And, and, and fair play to him for actually calling him out. Yeah, yeah. Ironically, on the last podcast that I listened to. Jason Mewes had to fly to a convention and he had to go in the Southwest Airlines and he was like, traitor! <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, he, he does bang on about him being fat, but he's not that big. You know, and I've seen bigger people, do you know what I mean? And uh, uh, that's the only thing I think. But I still think, you know, say what, he's, he's a couple of years older than us. I still think he has got another good... 10 yeah, I just yeah, that's I mean, that's, and that's I, what I don't want him to just do more rats three and then thing yeah. for stop he, that now. He's doing a lot of podcasts, and obviously, that's what his passion is, and, and that's fair enough. You got like what we do, we change the podcast formula to, for what we want to do to keep us interested in doing it because otherwise, we would close this up years ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I understand that, but he's he's such a good filmmaker and he's such a good writer. Hell, even if he didn't want to, if he didn't want to direct the film. Sorry, man, just write films because he's producer, so good at become directing. a producer and, and just and just direct, them, yeah. You know, or not direct, or just write them and do like like QT. Yeah, we all know QT writes wonderful dialogue. So does Kevin Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not sometimes better. Yeah, 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 yeah. But so that's our that's our Clark's episode. Oh, we we, we already know what we're doing for Christmas, don't we? We're doing uh, Home Alone. Home Alone. So I'm gonna watch that. I might watch that again because classic. It's classic. It's, classic. It's, a it's on the cinema as well. The Electric, uh, showing Home Alone and Home Alone 2. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Uh, next year, we're coming back, obviously in January. Might do a competition somewhere along the line, because we do mm -hmm. still have a waffle on mug. Uh, we've had a couple of people wanting uh, postcards that we've signed. Uh, so if <laughs> postcards that no one can use, because uh, the printer put the wrong email address. <laughs> Bastards. Uh, but if you want one of those, they're free, and I'm more than happy to post it to you. Uh, we'll sign it for you, and just send uh, a request to waffleonpodcast at gmail.com. We'd be really uh, grateful if you could leave us some new reviews on iTunes. Cal, fill the air a minute whilst I try. Yeah, yeah, no, because someone had written there that didn't like Brummies until this. Did you hear that one? Did you hear that one? <laughs> Okay, if we've done anything, guess we've boosted the Birmingham, boosted Birmingham, the Birmingham yeah. thing. Yeah, so somebody did put that, which is rather nice. No, that's quite a lot. I Now I think if I can find this on my phone, I'm sure I took. You're a gonna photo. put you're gonna put your uh, picture up of you in the car, aren't you? Yeah, I will do. I'll do that in a bit actually. So here we have uh, geeks doing their geek thing, and this was by Magic Aussie Chris, and this was actually put up on July 2015. I presume this must have been in uh, Australia due to the fact it's called Magic Aussie Chris. Uh -huh. uh, whilst looking for anything Rick Mail after he sadly passed, I came across the tribute these guys gave. After listening to this, I have taken the time to listen to almost everything they have done. Having now moved to Australia, I look forward to the next episode and I'm trying to tell as many Aussie friends as I can about these guys. Just two geeks doing their geek thing and having a chat, but they make you feel part of it. Please don't stop we won't well we won't so that's rather lovely isn't that's it really, really, really. thank you very much very much appreciate that so if anyone else would like to leave us a, a, an iTunes yeah. review preferably a good one that'd be great and also let us know because um, we normally can only see the British ones uh, I yeah, have to change yeah, yeah. the iTunes setting to go and have a look at America and, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean we've got ones in America we've got ones in Australia Canada uh, a few in Europe yeah. but we like a bit more um We've even got a listener in South Korea. Absolutely. Not North Korea. I was going to say, look at that. Don't want to be repressed over there, my friend. Don't yeah. So, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode. Bye. You know what I just watched? Me pulling a can off some morons' fist? Return of the Jedi. Didn't you hear me? Caitlin is really getting married. What did you like better? Jedi or the Empire Strikes Back? Empire. Blasphemy. Empire had the better ending. I mean, Luke gets his hand cut off. Finds out Vader's his father. Uh, hand gets frozen, take away by Boba Fett. It ends on such a down note. I mean, that's what life is, a series of down endings. All, all Jedi had was a bunch of Muppets. There was something else going on in Jedi. I never noticed it till today. They build another Death Star, right? Yeah. Now, the first one was completed and fully operational before the Rebels destroyed it. Luke blew it up. Give credit where credit's due. And the second one was still being built when they blew it up. Compliments of Lando Calrissian. Something just never sat right with me that second time around. I could never put my finger on it, but something just wasn't right. And you figured it out. The first Death Star was manned by the Imperial Army. The only people on board were the Stormtroopers, Dignitaries, Imperials. Basically. So when they blew it up, no problem. Evil's punished. And the second time around? The second time around, it wasn't even done being built yet. It was still under construction. So? So a construction job of that magnitude would require a hell of a lot more manpower than the Imperial Army had to offer. I bet they brought independent contractors in on that thing. Plumbers, aluminum siders, roofers. They're not just Imperials. Is that what you're getting at? Exactly. In order to get it built quickly and quietly, they'd hire anybody that can do the job. Think the average stormtrooper knows how to install a toilet main? All they know is killing in white uniforms. All right, so they bring in independent contractors. Why are you so upset at its destruction? All those innocent contractors brought in to do the job were killed. Casualties of a war they had nothing to do with. All right, look, you're a roofer. Some juicy government contract comes your way. You got a wife and kids to two-story in suburbia. This is a government contract, which means all sorts of benefits. 
Along come these left-wing militants and blast everything within a three-mile radius with their lasers. You didn't ask for that. You have no personal politics. You're just trying to scrape out a living. Excuse me, I don't mean to interrupt, but uh, what are you talking about? The ending of Return of the Jedi. My friend here is trying to convince me that any independent contractors who were working on the uncompleted Death Star were innocent victims when they were destroyed by the rebels. Well, I'm a contractor myself. I'm a roofer, done and ready home improvements. And speaking as a roofer, I can tell you a roofer's personal politics comes into play heavily when choosing jobs. Like when? Three weeks ago, I was offered a job up in the hills, beautiful house, tons of property, a simple reshingling job. They told me if I could finish it in one day, I would double my price. Then I realized whose house it was. Whose house was it? Dominic Bambino's. Babyface Bambino? The gangster? The same. The money was right, but the risk was too high. I knew who he was, and based on that, I turned the job over to a friend of mine. Based on personal politics. Right, and the next week, the Foresi family put a hit on Babyface's house. My friend was shot and killed didn't even finish reshingling. No way. I'm alive because I knew the risk involved in that particular client. My friend wasn't so lucky. Any contractor working on that Death Star knew the risk involved. If they got killed, it's their own fault. A roofer listens to this, not his wallet.